morning, Grid. Amen. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, as your pastor said, Pastor Brandon has been such a, such a gracious friend to me uh, since our first meeting. I don't know if you remember, Pastor Brandon, our very first meeting was at, in Memphis. Isn't that something? We're pastoring churches in Wichita, Kansas, but our very first meeting is in Memphis. And I had heard that there was another church that was coming uh, to Wichita that was going to plant a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. And I hadn't got a chance to meet Pastor Brandon yet. And then all of a sudden, we, I was at a conference and someone said, hey, there's another guy here from Wichita who's doing the same thing. Our entire conference was uh, on multi-ethnic church plants. And so it's a real blessing to be able to be here with you today. And I will echo what you said about just the message you sent. And you've, you've tried to get together. We've tried to get together several times before then, but, but I, I received that message. Uh, I see all the kids leaving, so that's good, right? I guess let me, let me dismiss all the kids. So if you got kids, it's time to, to get our kids to where they need to be, right? So uh, we're excited about that. We do the same thing at our church, so I'm, I'm okay. We're good. We dismiss them at the same time. I will say this, and I want to I wanna just, and I, I mean this with all sincerity, about the church and about what God is doing here in Wichita, Kansas. I told my wife a couple of months ago, I was thinking about where I would go to church if Mending Place were to close down. I said, if Mending Place were to close, if I were to be called into another field, another area, and I was here in town, and I had to go to church somewhere, babe, where would we go? And we had a real short list, a real short list almost embarrassingly short, and I sat to myself, and I said, you know, one of the places I would go is the bridge, and I said that before. I hadn't told you that, and I, I, say, I don't say that just to be saying it because I'm here, but I genuinely, truly say that that's, that's how much I appreciate what God is doing here in this place and then within the people here, so you should give yourselves a round of applause for that. Truly good to be here. My wife cannot make it. Uh, some of you guys know what that's like to have uh, your, your, your wife and the kids all work in the church. So, so uh, they, they can't be here, but she sends her salutations to you nonetheless. Uh, we are excited about uh, what God is doing down south. But it's exciting to be here because we know that God is doing something up north. And it would be wrong for us to believe that God only wants to do it in these two places. We know that there's room for more. There's room for more churches just like ours, and God's going to continue to use churches just like ours to bridge gaps far beyond what we may see just from a religious standpoint. But we know that the world needs us to model the type of love that Jesus left for us, that we would have love one for another. Amen? Amen. So we are modeling that every Sunday you choose to come in, and I know that your pastor says that there's many churches out there, right? Many places. They've already told me about you, brother. They give me all the news, all the stuff. There's many churches that you can come to, and you decided to come here this morning, and we know that God wants to bless you uh, because of that. So um, we're, we're just a, a church of, of about 150 mending places down south, uh, very similar demographics as the people here in this room. Uh, we started the church in 2009, August, off of a what uh, God, I believe God told me I was going to pastor ever since I was in the, uh, 11 years old. And so I didn't know. You know how God is. He'll tell you something, and then he'll just like let that percolate for a little while, let that marinate, and you'll be like, God, how, when, where? And, you know, an 11-year-old telling them that is like, you know, like what am I supposed to do with that? Uh, I didn't tell anybody until I got ready to get married. I got ready to get married to my wife, and I said, babe, before, before we get too far down the road, you know, I know we were doing a whole bunch of stuff. We were drinking, smoking partying and doing all that. No, nobody else in the room ever done anything like that. Yeah, we were doing all that stuff. 
and, and then I'm going to drop this nugget on her. Hey, babe, we're gonna, one day I'm going to pastor a church. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, yeah. I tried to do it to see if she was going to just kind of separate the relationship, but she said, no, I'm with that. And I said, oh, my Lord, it must be the Lord. He can talk to you too. So you know how it is. And so, so she said yes, and we've been married 21 years, and uh, we've got three children. I got a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old, and I have a... Uh, I have a, a daughter who's 16. She just turned 16. So I'm getting close to being empty nesters. We're getting close up in age. And, and uh, as your pastor did say, I, I am a native of Wichita, and I graduated from Wichita State, but I also had just spent the last 17 years. Yeah, that's it. Go Shocks. Uh, went, uh, went to South High School, Wichita State, also graduated. Uh, you're a Titan, too. Okay, yeah. You're, I got a brother in the back, right? Yeah. Uh, and... And we are, we are just gracious and grateful to be in the city because we believe that we're called to the city. Specifically, we feel like we're called to the south side of the city. So it's good to have somebody up north. Now we want God to do something out east and out west. So we're trying to, trying to pray in other churches like ours with like DNA. Uh, and it's better for us together. So we will continue to fellowship, Pastor. We will continue. Matter of fact, you may not know this, but in November, he's going to be at my place. So we've just kind of set this whole thing up. We're swapping uh, pulpits for a little while, and I think that we should just continue to make it a yearly thing because uh, the truth of the matter is that we need cross-pollinization, best practices, what you guys do very well and what we need work on and, and vice versa. It's how we stay strong. It's how we realize that we're not alone. Uh, and so it's, it's important for us to do that. So uh, I am the seed director for World Impact. Now, World Impact is just a missional organization that resources urban pastors, pastors that are planning uh, in, in environments that others would want to move away from. God is calling men and women from the neighborhood to be the leaders in their neighborhood. And so we, we, we get with those folks, too, as well across the city and other cities within the country. Uh, but, but enough of that, enough of that information about me. Let's get to what God may want to say to us this morning. How about that? Amen. Amen. How many of you got your Bibles with you? You got your Bible. If you don't, you got your glasses so you can see the screen. All right, we're going we're gonna to take a little journey, just going in the book of Mark. We're going to be there, and then we're going to jump into uh, the book of Matthew, and then we'll land, land on one verse, and then I'll be out your way. But uh, it, I will say this. Your pastor has got one of the best voices in the world, right? So I'm listening to some of his messages online secretly. He don't know I'm stalking him, you know? <clears throat> And, and the sound guy gets me ready this morning, and he's like, well, you know, I got to get some more mid-range in your voice. I said, no, you need to put a little more bass in there if I'm going to be following Pastor Brandon. I said, you know, don't just give me mids. Give me some of that deep, deep stuff so it makes it sound like I'm super spiritual. And, uh, and so he, he they, they, they set my mic up so, oh, yeah, you can hear it drop a little bit. They set my mic up a little bit. But I, I know this, that uh, it, is a, it is truly an honor to stand before you and preach the Word of God. So in prayer, I was thinking this week, and, and when I got the message from Pastor Brandon, what could I share and what would be, uh, what would be useful in this season of a multi-ethnic church or in the individuals that, are this, that call this place home and want to see what God wants to do in the next coming years in our community? We've heard about the move. Uh, we know a little bit about your history being here in this city and what things God has already allowed you to do to make an impact in the community. But moving further, as God would move you to 13th Street and what he may want to do in a group of people who believe, who believed against some odds and some of the, the tough things that happen when you're trying to do a multi-ethnic, multicultural expression, uh, that if you're going to be successful in a multicultural, multi-ethnic expression, it means that people are going to have to be acquainted with the idea of sacrifice. 
that you've got to be acquainted with it, that it won't always be like you like it. It won't always be the way that we would think that it should be. And I, I, I thought that, man, that sacrifice, that's good. That's good, Lord. I, you know, it's all good when it comes from him, right? That's all good. But do you want me just to talk about sacrifice as the sins of just, you know, people just giving up something? Because we know that if we give up something, we always gain something, that there's no way that we could give up something that you won't then resurrect in another season. You give up the boyfriend because you really want a husband. Okay, you get, you, <laughs> am I talking to anybody? Am I talking? I, I'm looking back there. The lights ain't blinding me like that. I see you. You know, are we, are we giving up? Are we willing to give up our idea so that God would be able to do a dream? He would be able to complete the dream. Whatever it is that God was calling us to give up, to sacrifice, he always wants to resurrect it in a glorious way. So you may be thinking that I gave up some of my hymns. I gave up something. I gave up a location, something that's a little more convenient, easy to get to. Uh, I, I gave up some of my time and my energy to be a part of this group, this community of what God is doing here at the bridge. That in doing all those things that you've given up, that God is in the business of always restoring and giving way back more than what you ever gave. And I believe that this morning he wants to talk to us a little bit about sometimes the delusion of dissatisfaction. <laughs> How many in the room has ever been dissatisfied? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Dissatisfied. I just, I know pastors, if any, I saw elders up, pastors in the room, people who may have been leaders in particular environments or disciplines, whatever it may be that you've run into dissatisfaction. You had a dream. You had a vision. You had a, an idea of what this was going to go like and be like. And, and at some point in time, you ran into dissatisfaction. Like, this isn't what I signed up for. Anybody in the room? It's not what I signed. It's not what I thought it was going to be. But dissatisfaction sometimes can be delusionary. It will prevent you from seeing exactly what God would want you to see, exactly what you need to see when we sometimes fall short of the devil's false finish lines. He likes to do that, give you a false finish line. You think you've ran your race. Oh, I'm done. Why? Because I set that goal. I set that boundary. I set that line. And then the Lord says, I never gave you that as a finish line. <laughs> We're going to look at a story in the Bible that's, going, I think, going to encapsulate all the things that I've been talking about today uh, as we start just to think about that disillusionment of dissatisfaction. If you would, in your Bibles, we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17. We're going to go down to 23. We're going to talk about a familiar passage of Scripture, but don't let the familiarity fool you this morning as we talk about this young ruler who many of us have seen on Sunday school lessons all over the world and all over our life, and we're going to go right back into that Sunday school message and try to extract some principles, some things that God may want to do and say to us this morning that we could take, take with us as nuggets in our treasure case. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 23. This is the ESV version, if you follow along. And as he <clears throat> was setting out on his journey, Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him. Oh, this, oh it's a custom to stand. Yeah, let's stand. Do it. I see that first. I was like, y'all ain't leaving already. I mean, I just got started. All right. The custom is to stand for the reading of the word. Please stand. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 23. And it, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not, do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Uh, and he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. 
And Jesus, following at him, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened. Now, I want you to hear this word here in the ESV. Disheartened by the saying. That's what we were talking about earlier. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're dissatisfied by the saying. He was dissatisfied with what the Lord told him. It wasn't his plan. wasn't what he thought. He was frustrated by now there's still yet something else. Dissatisfied or disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is without fail and that it is incorruptible. It has to produce after its kind. So I pray now, even in the hearts of the people in this room, God, that your word would be hidden, fold over in their hearts, that it would be able to produce fruit for a lifetime. We give you the glory, honor, and praise you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. It is like us to set a finish line. You see the verbiage in this text where this young man is running, pursuing, chasing after Jesus. And once he gets there, he feels like that he has what? Arrived. That that is the finish line. But many times we think is the finish line really is just the beginning. Just the beginning of his journey with the Lord. And we see God using this as an example for us this morning of how many false finish lines do you have in your life that have brought about a dissatisfaction because once you got there, there was still yet more to go. This young man shows up and he says, man, I finally found you. I caught up with you because I wanted to really hang out with you and be with you and for you to be able to tell me that I'm already on point, that I'm already good. I'm already squared away. I'm already pretty sharp. I got it all together. And Jesus says something that rocks his world. He simply says, you still got some journey to go. You still got something to do. There's still work ahead of you. This false finish line that this young man has put on this thing with relationship with Jesus. Says, as soon as I get there, it will be finished or completed. And that's what I find oftentimes disheartening within the church. I, I, I see people come on salvation messages. I see people come, give their life to the Lord, and they think that maybe the prayer, the baptism, the communion, uh, the prayer meeting, that one time they cried, that one time they felt the goosebumps, that that is the end of the thing. But the truth of the matter is it's only the beginning. That, that the real thing that God is really wanting to get to you, you sometimes will think that it's in this frustration that I've finished that God asked for more. He's saying that that's really where I wanted you to start at. This young man shows us an example of why it's important for us to not put too much weight on our dissatisfactions. Don't put too much weight on the things that you don't like. Well, I don't like that. And I'm not saying that we're not out for justice. I'm not saying that you don't, you're not sent to solve problems. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that when, when God has called you to a particular season in your life, and you may not necessarily like what his response is or his, his question or his challenges in that season, and you would prefer to do something else, it's in those moments that we have to slow down and realize where it is that ultimately God wants to take us. This young man found out in his first conversation with the Lord that it takes courage to be content. That's point number one if you're going to write down, if you're writing down notes. 
That's the way you do it. It takes courage to be content. Pastor Brendan, I thought to myself, I said, what word would you want me to share with the pastor of the house? And I, I know how sometimes it can be with, with pastors. I'm having a conversation with him. I'm going to let you listen in, but I'm going to have a conversation with him. <laughs> that sometimes you can be dissatisfied with the pace. You know, I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. It, maybe it, it's okay. It's us. Yeah, it's us. That you thought it would have went faster by now. You thought that those who said they were would have. You would have thought that, that, that you were doing something that the community needed, that they would show up and support. You may have thought that, you know, like I, I could just imagine and see the people pulling in and getting blessed and families being changed and our community being changed because the bridge exists. Then we start. We get to launch day. We get to the day where we're like, well, this is we're a new expression, a new, new community. I, I'm, I'm saying this because I did the same thing down south at Mending Place. And the frustration didn't take long to jump in. The dissatisfaction and even sometimes the thought of quitting. I, not, not you, Pastor. I, I, just me down south. Okay, just me. Just me down south. Has, has anybody in the room ever thought of quitting on God? Oh, yeah, yeah. The assignment, the, push, the position he puts you in, the people you work with that you're the only Christian around. You're the only one in the school that really loves Jesus. You're the only employee who will stand up. you got a whole bunch of people who talk a lot, but you're the only one who's willing to stand for him in the face of all those other sinners and, and, and studio Christians that work with you. You know, you don't know about studio. Studio Christians are people who just act like a certain thing that they're really not. I got some people like, yeah, okay, right, all right. <laughs> but you guys aren't studio Christians. What we see right here is that we see a young man who's not courageous enough to be content. He came searching for success, and God was offering satisfaction. Isn't that how it works? I'm looking for another thing to add into my armor. I'm looking for another place to put that trophy in my case. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for another thing to say that not only am I the rich, young, cool cat, but I'm also the guy that got the A-plus from Jesus himself. Yeah, you're doing good. You, you checked all the boxes. Ooh-wee, you did all of that. You know, not committing adultery. You know, you, you're not slanderous. You don't steal. You, you, man, you got it all together. You're just checking all the boxes. And, and he wants to get God's approval so that he can just add another component to, satis to his success. But satisfaction is better than success. I've gotten things before. You've gotten things before. You've prayed for some things, and when you got them, you still wasn't happy. Uh, you, you, uh, do I, can, can I come down? Y'all videotape it. Okay, I won't come down. Like, you know, I'm going to come down and be right, right there with you. I'm almost like, thank God for stages. Well, see, you, when I believe that, that God is trying to get to us in this season is that you cannot measure your successes on what? Things that we would normally measure our success on. Am I being fruitful? Am I being obedient? Am I doing the things that God called me to do? Those are the things that we really want to measure ourselves against and not how much we've acquired, not how many experiences we've had. But God is clearly saying to us today that you cannot be just success driven. You've got to be satisfied. And I'm talking about satisfaction, not as some music artists would say it, but satisfaction in the fact that God himself, has called you, predestined you, put you in a position to be fruitful, 
and to be an ambassador of His, especially in a wayward world. That's important that your light shines brightest on dark days. That's important that you got the most flavor when the food is tasteless. <laughs> Y'all know what a seasoning salt is? Yeah, that's true. The world, the world says that we are the salt of the world, but I like to say we like the red hot of the world. We're the, we're the hot sauce that everybody needs, the Tabasco. We are the thing that kicks it up a notch, as Emerald says. Boom. You know, that's who we are as Christians and as believers. We take it up a notch. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that I've fallen prey to what this young man is experiencing. Haven't we? Haven't we all? Haven't we all fallen prey to what this young man is experiencing? He, he feels like that this is it. I mean, I got that title. I mean, Pastor Brandon, they, they got me on, I'm on stage. I'm singing. I mean, I got, I got it. I've, I'm here. I'm there. And God says, no, no, no. You're just getting started. Every time that we get to a point of place of saying that I've arrived, that's exactly where God wants us to start. So if you've got the feeling that you know what I've arrived, you should think again about how God really is saying, okay, now you're just ready to start. You ready to start what? Dealing with your issues. <laughs> you ready to start really dealing with your issues. If you want to be successful, you got to be willing to separate. That's point number two for some of you who are writing down points. If you want to be satisfied, you must be willing to separate yourself from some things. This young man, in all of his attempts to gain, because his question is, what must I do to gain? right? What must I do to gain? What must I do to, what, inherit eternal life? What must I do to get? Because what I've got is not enough. I mean, the Scripture says he's already rich. He's already rich, but he's, he's focusing on his gain and not thinking about what the give is. And oftentimes, the give gets a bad rap because we think that giving is, you know, it's countercultural, it's counterintuitive because we're all looking at bigger barns. We're thinking about how I can be able to, to retire, how I'm be able to take the next step in this season of my life in whatever discipline you're in. Then we're thinking about the next thing. And then all of a sudden, we see God show up here and he says that you've got to master the idea of giving. That real satisfaction comes when you're able to walk away from some stuff that would make your life comfortable. When you're willing to walk away from some stuff that would make things convenient. When you're willing to walk away from some stuff that was your identity. Can you let that go so that you would be able to achieve real satisfaction? The separation brings satisfaction. That I've got to let some things go if I'm going to grow or to go with the Lord. As we continue to move on down in the story... We see this young man get an invitation that many don't get. Jesus actually said, hey, go do this, and you can then come and hang out with me. Yeah. This, this wasn't the case for everybody. Many people he healed. He laid hands on a lot of people, and a lot of people did what? Man, I want to go with you. And he said no. The demoniac man is one example. He heals him. He's seated and clothed in his right mind. And the, the people of the town says, Jesus, you got to go. He says, well, I want to go too. The man says, I want to go too. He says, no, 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 you don't, you don't come with me. You stay. Go tell your family and your friends all the things that the Lord has done for you. You know, you be a witness here. But this young man gets an opportunity to take the next step with the Lord. He gets an opportunity, and it's going to be an opportunity that's going to be costly. He says, you want to go further? You want to go deep? You can do that, but you have to be willing to what? Give it all up. You got to be willing to give it up. 
And the truth of the matter is this young man went away sad, and I think, in my own mind, I think that it wasn't because he was just sad at the fact that Jesus had kind of in some way kind of shunned him, but I think that he realized that his possessions really had him. Isn't that how we are sometimes? When you're alone, now you won't tell anybody this, you won't post this on Facebook, but when you're alone and you're thinking about what God is really calling you to do, his spirit has been beckoning you, unctioning you, pulling you towards something, and the way you've been putting your foot on the brakes because you really don't want to go that far that fast. You won't share this with your wife. Maybe not. I don't know. You won't share this with your friend. You may not even share this with your pastor. I know what God has been saying to me, but I've been reluctant to do it because it's going to cost me something. I'm raising my hand if I'm the only one in the room. That's me, Lord. That's me. You know how it is when you preach a message. It hits home. It hits you first. You got to deal with it first before you can deliver it to anybody else. So I bear in my body these scars and marks already. This whole couple of weeks I've been dealing with this. The Lord's been beating me up the whole time. You know, oh, look, man, you're so worried about success. This is why you're not satisfied. This is why you always get these, I'm going to get here, get this, and get this, and get this, and get this, and you still find yourself empty. We see the same pattern, not just in the church, not just with Dion Gates, but we see it in the world. This is why we see people who've got notoriety, influence, money, they got fame, all those things, but they're still not happy. Yeah. I was listening to a, a, a message uh, by a, a, a man who won the Super Bowl. No, it was, yes, it's a Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. He was giving a testimony at his church. I forgot who it was. He was giving testimony about him winning the Super Bowl and how at the moment that he won and the game was over and they were in this, the locker room celebrating and the trophy was being passed, people kissing the trophy. You've seen it. The kissing the trophy, champagne's in the air. They got goggles on and all that other stuff. And the, 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 the sense that he got was, is this it? I never thought that. I mean, it's, I thought I was going to feel something. I thought there was going to be some sense of satisfaction. And even in all of that, I still came up short. Spent his whole life, little league, high school, college, professional many years of training, honing his skills, his abilities, to find that moment to make that goal, to win that trophy, to still fall short. This rich young ruler is, is no different than you and I. He's saying the exact same thing to us, that, that in all of that, all of that getting, all of that gaining, I'm still dry. And all of that getting and all that gaining, I still wait, lay, lay awake at night thinking about who can I really share this issue with? Who can I really share the fact that I'm not feeling good? I'm not doing well. I've been busy. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And even more, it compounds in my life. And I still have not come to a place of satisfaction. The world will put me on lists. They will invite me in, acknowledge my, 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 my accolades and the things that I've done and the, the community engagement that I had. And the, at work, I won employee of the month. And at school, I was a student of the month. I'm on the dean's list. All these things we can acquire, we can get, and still not be satisfied. There is sometimes this delusionment that if I'm dissatisfied, that I cannot be what God wants me to be. This young man was an issue with his flesh, but God really wanted to do something in his soul, his spirit. I mean, his spirit. The soul, the mind, will, the emotions, imaginations, the intellect, your preferences, the things you like. Uh, you like blue, they like yellow. You like fried chicken, you like baked. Uh, you like Scooby-Doo. I like Tom and Jerry. You know, those, those things that 
we sometimes think that, you know, this is just who I am. God says, I, I want you to be aware of something that you need rest for that thing. You need to find a place where that thing can be at peace. Your soul, your mind, your will, imaginations, your emotions, your imagination, intellect. And we see here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, it says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. 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 Rest for what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for what? Your soul. You will find rest for the soul. The soul has a hard time resting. The soul has a hard time finding satisfaction. The soul has a hard time being at peace and being okay with where you're at in this season. The soul has a hard time taking vacations. The soul has a hard time taking days off, Sabbaths. The soul has a hard time knowing when to quit. Is that true? Is, that anybody, is there anybody like that in the room? You don't know how to quit. You don't, know, you don't know when. When's the last time you really took some time off and really let the Lord begin to do something in your life? When was the last time you really said, okay, I'm, I'm, I, good, that's good enough. I need to. The soul has a hard time doing that. And if you're driven by what the world says, well, let your heart lead you. I would, I would encourage you not to do that, right? Don't do that. The scripture says the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Don't let that lead you. <laughs> don't let that, that be the last thing. Just follow your heart. No, don't do that. Uh, it sounds good, but it's not true. The truth of God's word is, is that the soul is restless. And we see it played out in the story we just read in Mark chapter 10, that this man shows up and he wants to just further his cause and continue to run. But we see the Lord says, we want you to slow down. God's been speaking to me about slowing down. Can I slow down? Is it okay for me to slow down? Am I okay with maybe not getting something? My grandmother used to say that, boy, you, you just greedy. That's what she would say to me. You just greedy. You just, if you, whatever you, you see, you know, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> boy, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Every time you see something, you want it. And that's it, right? That's how it is. We see that in kids. We see the, the nature of mankind played out even in children. That, that we, we, you know, I just got some candy, but I want some more candy. I just ate my food, but I want yours because it looks good too. You know, I, some of us still are doing that, right? We still got some, some issues. It, it, it's, your eyes are bigger than your stomach is the way that my grandmother told me a principle that is within Scripture. That was this idea that I could never be satisfied with what I had. I always had to have more. And it was in the slowing down that God wanted to really share with us that, listen, you don't have to miss anything if you're walking with me. You don't have to miss it. You don't have to miss it. It may seem like things are passing you by because that's the nature of it. It looks like everybody's flying by. looks like you're taking a step backwards. looks like it's, it's, all these things happen when you walk with the Lord. It's just like, thing. he turns your whole world upside down. And you start walking with the Lord. You're like, God, I thought I was going to gain when I got with you, but I'm losing. I'm losing friends. I'm losing, I'm losing influence. I'm losing this. Uh, I thought when getting with you was going to be easier, but, but it seems like things have gotten harder. I thought getting with you was going to make more sense of this, this situation. We come to the Lord oftentimes with a felt need. That God, if you would just fix, if you would just fix this, then I would be okay and I'll, I'll ride with you for a little while. That's true. Come on. Anybody? I'm, I'm the only one talking. 
I, I prayed one of them prayers. God, if you would just, if you just give it to me, I, I would be good. I'd be better. I'd never do it again. My God, I got me lying. The Lord just said, what, what's got me lying? My flesh. Because it's restless. Then it's not this, it will be another. But God's work is so complete, so perfect. He says, listen, I know you've done a whole bunch of good things. He said, I'm going to bring you back down to the one, the root cause, the real issue. The real issue is you're being driven by your flesh. Your soul is in control. And I really want to take you out of that rat race. Would you just sell all that you have and slow down? I've been challenged with this personally here lately. What would I do if God asked me to give up some things that I've used as markers for myself? What would I do? Could I have the courage to say, well, I'm not going to do that? Would I have the courage to turn down a speaking engagement, to not attend a conference? Would I have the courage to say no to opportunity? Would I have the courage to say, no, that's, that's not what God's calling me to in this season. He's calling me to slow down. Because, or am I fearful that he's not true to his word? That if I slow down with him and sell all that I have, so to speak, if I give up that thing that I work so hard to acquire, if I turn in, the, turn in the, my, my resignation, so to speak, on some things that I've just been holding on to because I don't want to be the guy who dropped the ball. I don't want to be the one who quit when things were really looking good. Because, listen, there were people who will look at you in your life and they will say, wow, you had it all. I wanted to be like that. I wanted to have what you had. And for you to give it up, there must be something wrong. Everybody knew this guy. I mean, it wasn't just the money. But I'm sure he was thinking about what people were going to say about him. What would they say? What would they think? And is this Jesus guy for real? You know what I mean? Is he really for real? Does he really mean what he says? Is he really going to, to conquer the world? Would I really be signing up with the right one? Is it worth the investment? You may be asking that this morning. Is it worth the investment, Pastor? Is it worth me giving it all up? Is it worth me being able to trust him with my whole heart? And even with the things that my heart desires that, that still makes me crazy because I do my very best to try to keep it all in line. I'm trying to juggle all these balls, and it seems like I can't keep them all going at the same time. But, but, but man, if I were to let something go, would people kind of say that I wasn't able to? There's a challenge there. I posed this question as I was writing this message. I started thinking to myself, we know this man and his story was crystallized by the one moment where he says no. But what would have happened if he would have said yes? What would have happened to his, his friends, his family, his, his life, his, his mental health? What would have happened if he would have said yes and said, okay, I'm going to give it up? He asked, Jesus asked this of every disciple, not just him. If you continue to read on down, the, his other disciples, when they get alone, they come to him and says, man, I don't even know how we're going to make it. If this guy can't make it, then we sure enough in trouble. What in the world you got me out here on? And Jesus said, listen, there's nothing that you can give up in this world that I won't give back to you in this lifetime and the lifetime to come. You continue read it. You look at it on your own, and you'll see that God says that there's a delusionment of dissatisfaction. That delusionment will keep you from taking the next steps. If he would have hung, hung on just a little bit longer, the Lord would have been able to share the same thing he shared with his disciples with this young man. That you giving up this is nothing. 
because I'm going to give you way more than you could have ever afford to pay for. Maybe not the same type of money in this world, but the kingdom riches that you couldn't even afford to pay for. All those things that God was going to do in his life. And this man just sits and he says, wow, I walked away too soon. So a word of wisdom for you today is don't walk away too soon. Don't let that initial dissatisfaction that may come upon you when you feel like the Lord is asking you to change in something, to exchange something, to drop something off, to let something go. Don't let that be the thing that says, you know what, I'm out of the game. I can't take this no more. I'm done. You've got to hold on and believe that God's plans are better than yours because he sees further than yours. He knows exactly where you need to be and when you need to be there. And it's his job to make sure you get there. He is the one who orders my steps. This young man ran up and then walked away in a hurry to get there, saddened by walking away. Psalms 23.3, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It is this type of relationship that God ultimately wants us to be in. Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm out of your way. You know this is a familiar passage of Scripture. Familiar passage of Scripture. It is in the waiting that we realize who we really are. It's not in the running. The running is what the world uses to measure who you are. But waiting is what the kingdom measures to determine who you are. There's an old song that used to sing that, I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on you, Lord. And, and, and in that waiting, we realize who we really are deep down inside authentically and if we're relying on flesh or somebody else. The type of personality that I have, I'm the type of person that just wants to make it happen. I just gotta, all I got to do is work harder. All I got to do is do one more thing, one more thing. I gotta, if I could get this right, then this all would line up. And I'm a one more person. I, you know, if I can just get one more family, if I can get just one more night of study, if I can get just one more hour out of the day, if I can just get one more, one more, one more. And how many of you know that the one mores never stop at one more? And the one more turns into two more, turns into three more. And I'm just being led completely by my soul, and my soul likes to run. But we see Jesus changing the pace. He doesn't mind walking. And that's important when we look at this passage of Scripture. It says, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their what? Strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run. Now, this is important. I thought to myself, like, man, running, that's funny. You know, running is where they stay. They don't get weary. But it's in the walking that people faint. Why? Because the walking isn't fun. Walking in this sense of our story, especially when we look at the rich young ruler, and we lay this over this verse here in Isaiah, the walking part is the part that he was fainting in. He's no longer a jet setter. He's no longer the guy that everybody knows him to be. The party doesn't start until he gets there. He's no longer that type of person. And all of a sudden, the walking creates an opportunity for him to faint. It is this delusionment of dissatisfaction. That if he were to deal with this initial feeling of dissatisfaction that comes from hearing the Lord Jesus Christ tell him, yes, there is still one thing, and that one thing may be discomforting, it may be frustrating, it may be inconvenient, it may be unconventional, but in all of that, that's exactly where I want you to be and what I need you to do to be satisfied. I've got stuff. you got stuff. Scripture says it's hard for rich folks to get into heaven. As it relates to the world, you may be saying, I'm not rich as it relates to the U.S., but as it relates to the world, everybody in the room is doing really, really good. Is that true? 
Yeah. So when the Lord's talking, he's talking from a global standpoint. He's not talking about, about Wichita, where you stack up in Wichita. He's talking about the world because he came to what? Save the world. So he's putting everybody all in the same group. So if you're saying, man, I, I wish I had that, that Range Rover that, that uh, so-and-so's got. Well, I wish I had that. You know, I, I can't afford to go to Disney. They, got, they can go to afford to go to Disney. I can't afford to go. So they're rich and I'm not. Whatever. You, you can play that game if you want to. But what we see the scripture saying is this, that, that in, as it relates to the world, we are doing very, very well. And it's hard for us to give up some stuff to be able to accept the fact that God is calling us to a place to slow down. Slow down. Give it up, which means I'm going to rely on him. Now, there's many people in the room, I know, who've been running and running and running. And even the fact or the idea that someone would tell you to slow down and to walk scares you. I'm this close to retirement. I'm, 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 I'm this close to achieving or acquiring. I'm, I'm just about there, wherever there is for you. And God is saying, no, that's enough. That's enough. It's time for you to just slow down. I believe that God's called me to this, to this building with you this morning to just talk about that one thing, that we can seek satisfaction in a, so many ways, in so many places, but satisfaction does not come from success. It doesn't. Success alone won't satisfy you. And I, I'm, I'm of the mindset, and I believe this, that one reason that we don't give up all the things that God has called us to give up when he's asked us to give them up is because we don't really know who we are in him. This young man had no working definition of knowing who he was in him. He didn't know if God be for you, then who can be against you. He didn't, I mean, he didn't have that, that, that it's his, the silver and the gold, the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he didn't know, he didn't know that, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. He, he, he didn't know that, those things. But even now as I'm sitting here talking to you, some of you know those scriptures. You know that to be true. But even in saying that, we sometimes have a hard time just giving it up. Because who will replace it? How will I? Where will I? get more. If you're here in the room and you say, Pastor, that's me. I haven't just heard your words, but I've been hearing the voice of God confirm in my heart that I've been being led by my soul. And it just runs us ragged, filled with anxiety, filled with frustration, dissatisfaction, and disappointment. But God came to bring clarity and shine light into the darkness. And even in the dark places of our soul, I believe that God wants to speak to you this morning. Would you bow your heads with me?